Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Trying to use advanced sensors to understand what's happening inside the body from outside. Now, when you have something wrong or have something that you want to understand more about the way your body's working, maybe a wound or a treatment that you want to understand more, seeing what's going on inside of your body and the way your body talks to itself is incredibly difficult unless you have some innovative sensors to understand exactly what's happening inside your body and inside your brain. One of the amazing things about the human body is that it is continually outputting all kinds of signals, whether it be the faintest of touch, the sensation of heat, the sight that you're detecting, or the audio waves being converted in your brain to listen to this podcast. There are all kinds of signals, and that's just the ones related to sensing. If we go into a deeper level, your organs are communicating with each other very regularly about what they need and what their problems are in real time. Now, the thing is, your body is using all kinds of ways to signal and transmit all of this information, to specify where a problem is, what a concentration might be missing or lacking in other regions of the body, or to send a signal from one organ to the other. But generally, the body's chemical signals that it uses to do this signaling are incredibly faint. It's not like we can stare from the external viewpoint and try and pick these up and analyze them. If we could, we could listen in to the symphony or cacophony of noise that your body is producing. But instead, we're on the outside, locked outside, trying to guess what's happening inside this black box that is the human body. Now, if you were able to see or understand what's happening there inside your body, it would enable all kinds of better diagnostics to understand whether or not a wound is healing better, whether or not a cancer treatment or is working in the intended way, or if the vaccine is targeting the right egg sectors of a virus. We'd get all this information back with way more detail, rather than waiting to to see if our treatment had any effect and guess why it didn't work. Now, that's the dream. Sounds a bit like science fiction. But the problem is, we just don't have the information to turn that into reality. If there was some way of actually understanding these chemical signals listening in on their conversations inside of our body, well, we would be much better placed to try and piece together what's happening. This is what researchers from Northwest University McCormack School of Engineering have been diving into, which they've just published in the journal Nature Communications. Lead author on this paper was Zhu Dongji, along with Zhuanyin Li and Jonathan Rivne. Now, they were working into Rivne's lab, trying to, to see if there was a way to amplify the particular signals produced by your body. Now, in electronics, we use a transistor to monitor a signal and then to produce an amplified or boosted output. The invention of transistors is one of the most signal-important discoveries of, well, let's say, the last 100 years, because it's what enabled computing to go from being room-sized vacuum tubes down to a bunch of electronics that you're probably using to listen to this very podcast right now. Now, the development of transistors meant we could swing and shrink these down smaller and smaller to develop all the kind of switch signals we now just depend on. But if there's a way to do the same trick in a biological setting based on all the biochemical signals traveling around our body, well, that would enable us to really listen in. Because the good thing about transistors is that they don't need a lot of power. They amplify the signal. 
they boost it up to a way that you can actually listen in on exactly what's happening. We use it in electronics to make decisions and switch things, but if you use it for a sensor, it's tremendously powerful. The other good thing about transistors is the way in which they work and lends themselves to be shrunk further and further smaller in size. Most actual transistors now rely on some pretty clever materials engineering. And actually, that's what they're doing in this case as well. This building block of electronics used to boost and amplify signals is what enabled us to revolutionize electronics and develop the field as we know it today. So could we had a biochemical transistor that we could place in the body? It's way less intrusive than wearing a big bulky meter to try and understand what's going on inside a body. So requiring a low energy use and being small in size and shape is ideally what we want in any kind of biomedical application because there's obviously limited power and space inside a body. So in order to work on this proof of concept, the researchers took a pretty simple idea. Your body is already doing a lot of communication and we often use external tests to see what this communication is. If taking a sample of blood or sweat or saliva, running it through lab equipment and then getting a result out of that. The problem is this is a time consuming and also external process. So by making sure they could do this inside the body, then you save a lot of time, but you also get a lot more detail that doesn't have a chance to get corrupted or noisy from just basically all those extra steps you have to use in. Now, other researchers have looked at using electrochemical sensors for biosensing using aptivers. These are basically single strands of DNA, and you can engineer them to bind to specific targets. If they bind to the right target of of interest, well, they can act a bit like a switch, making a new structure, folding themselves into a strange new shape, which will then trigger an electrochemical signal. Problem is, even with this technique, which is pretty clever, using really specific and targeted strands of DNA to act like a physical ship by shape changing, that's pretty cool, but the signal you get out of that is often really weak. And any weak signal is incredibly difficult because it makes it hard to determine whether that is a signal or whether that is noise. So this kind of distortion and testing is, is really quite tricky. If there was a way to get rid of that noise or amplify that signal, it'd be a much better place. So the Aptima DNA technique is really great and that's what had been researched into previously by other researchers. But Rivne's team were trying to find a way to boost that signal. And that means what they needed in this case was exactly what electronics engineers used in the same type of problem. They developed their own transistor. Now, this transistor is, instead of being a silicon wafer-based, or many of what you'd be familiar with in electronics, they are using a different type of technique, one that's electrochemical transistor-based sensor that was working perfectly for the type of biochemical signals you find inside of your body. There's an electrode which is used to sense a signal, and it connects to it the nearby transistor to amplify that signal. So now that they connected this DNA folding technique using aptimers to an actual traditional transistor, they went about testing it to see if it was actually any good at boosting the signal that they were measuring. And so they turned to a pretty common cytokine, a type of signaling protein, one that's pretty important because it's involved in regulating immune response. It also often, often found and implicated where there's tissue repair and regeneration. Now, if you measured the amount of cytokines near a wound, you could actually make an assessment on how quickly 
a wound is healing, or if there's a type of infection, or medical intervention is required. Cytokine response and understanding how cytokines are behaving is just incredibly important. This is a really key signaling protein that we want to pay attention to. And in a series of experiments, the researchers were able to amplify that signaling of that cytokine switching level by around three to four orders of magnitude, not one times, two times, three times. That's three to four orders of magnitude. That's a huge amplification. By using the traditional Aptima technique and boosting it up with a transistor. Now, of course, this doesn't mean today you can go out and buy a sensor that you can place inside of your body to tell you if your wounds are healing quickly or whether or not you potentially have an infection. That is a long way away. But it shows that the technique of using Aptima is for specifically engineered strands of DNA binding the targets to act as a switch is a good idea, but needs further refinement, amplification. And amplification with transistors does work. Now researchers just need to find a way to pair these things together and turn those into biosensors or wearable devices. It's a good step, next step along the journey of developing really clever, advanced, integrated sensors that can tell you what's happening inside of your body. So we no longer have to rely on the black box or external measurements. This is a pretty interesting paper from Northwestern University published in the journal Nature Communications, which shows the power of boosting signals using biotransistors to help get a better picture of what's happening inside of your body with lead author Zhu Dongji. peer inside the black box of the human body and understand the signals that have been sent from your hand to your brain or organs around your body to each other. Maybe things going on around a wound. But if we were trying to understand what's happening inside the brain, that's a whole extra layer of complexity that is incredibly difficult due to the sensitive nature of everything inside the brain. If you wanted to understand how a brain is functioning, track the way neurons are firing and understand exactly what's going on with the brain tissue itself, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, you could take some of that brain tissue and take it out ex vivo, out of the body, into another environment, do some tests on it to understand and then maybe put it back. And that's okay in a mouse model but it's not really practical to do a hell of a lot of and it also is again removing a piece and trying to understand it without the full context the full information about what's actually going on inside the body so trying to study the brain in vivio without having to take samples away to do analysis or to do so in a way that is not incredibly invasive not just because it's uncomfortable, which makes it unpractical for use on humans, but also actually just not possible to study without damaging or interfering with the actual functioning of the brain itself makes trying to understand the brain incredibly difficult in both mouse model, other creature models, and even for humans. We turn to a lot of other, again, external measures, which are great, but they don't give us a complete picture. Now, that's what researchers 
in Korea from the Daegu Yeonbuk Institute of Science and Technology, DGSIT, have been investigating, including work from Professor Hong Soi Choi and Dr. John Chol Ra from the Korean Brain Institute. They've been diving into and published in the journal Advanced Materials. Now, what they're trying to develop is a way to use a special kind of bot, a microbot, and delivering it to a key location inside the brain, the hippocampus, and using it to actually measure and understand the signals being sent across neurons along the neural networks inside your brain. This is an amazing idea, actually measuring in situ what's happening inside of your brain without having to rely on external validation. And the reason why you want to do this is because then you could really understand if all kinds of other cell therapy or therapy treatments or drugs or whatever or brain conditions are actually working in the way you intend. But you've got to, again, like we talked about earlier, be close enough to measure and listen in on the signals. In this case, it means understanding what neural signals are being passed along all of those networks. And that's where having something that can sit there, monitor carefully without being too invasive, is ideal. But how do you get something right into the exact spot that you want it inside a brain? Now, you can use this kind of microbot technique. These are really, really small devices, microbots, capable of being delivered precisely and minimally invasively with a small like cell type of delivery. And it's been used slowly and slowly in more and more applications. But the problem is, microbots can work well, but they only have to, have to be validated at the connections of cells. To be integrating with cells at kind of a cellular level, and you need to be pretty sure that they work and get them to the right spot, not binding in the wrong location, which doesn't help you because you haven't tuned it or set it up for that location. So by practically getting that microbot to exactly the right spot is difficult, and especially if you're trying to direct it inside of the brain. And to guide this microbot to the right target, they attached superparameters magnetic iron oxide nanoparticles to some principal nerve cells of the hippocampus of the mouse. And then they fabricated some magnetic neurobots, kind of like a three-dimensional spherical floor. This little neurobot, this microbot, was then hunting towards that magnetic particle that they placed and so target locations. This meant they could point out where the microbot should go using magnetism and, the, and then allow the microbot to direct itself. And the best part about these magnetic microbots is that you can influence them with external magnetic fields. This is perfect because then you can introduce or change externally some magnetic field and direct that microbot exactly where you want it to go or give it signals which it can process. This is pretty cool because it's actually a non-invasive treatment that has pretty good safety and biocompatibility. You're not actually putting a magnetic field of substantive power that can mess with your brain. It's very, very small and weak, which is perfect for direction, but not in a way that's actually going to harm the brain around it. Now, once they'd placed that microbot on the hippocampus tissue section using the precise magnetic field control, they could use a small microelectrode array to stimulate the nerve cells. And doing this, the microbot could determine nerve cells which are getting delivered there and map out the electrophysiological characteristics which nerve cells are passing which signals through where and how that's actually performing so imagining itself being directed with magnetic fields externally getting to the right location this microbot then hooks itself in and listens intently to the signals being passed along the brain around it 
This not only helps validate exactly the way that those neural cells work, but gives researchers a very deep insight into what's happening inside the hippocampus. The more important part is that that microbiote touched nerve cell was actually able to integrate and hook in really efficiently and effectively into the neural networks of the brain. Which is cool because now you could have introduced externally a certain designed neural cell and then get that set up and tuned and then send it into the brain to do some purpose or function because it's able to hook in correctly and become part of the larger structure rather than just being some external cell that gets thrown out because it's not compatible. So this is some pretty cool examples of targeted medicine and precise engineering to listen in exactly what's happening inside the brain and hook in and blend yourself in really efficiently without having to damage the cells around it. And it's part of what precision and targeted medicine using cool nanotechniques has enabled researchers to open up a whole new area of medicine and involves a lot of complicated engineering, chemistry and biomaterials. This paper was published in the journal Advanced Materials from researchers from GGIST in Korea, along with the Korean Brain Institute. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. Transistors that can amplify the signals that your body uses to communicate to itself, and the way in which we can use microbots to target specific regions of our brain to understand what's happening inside. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.